Reduce, reuse, refashion. Hello everyone! Welcome to my brand new episode of Refashion Podcast. I am super excited today to have Lily, founder of Wear, in my episode. For those who don't know what Wear is, it is a textile upcycling company on the mission towards the waste-free fashion. But what's so special about Wear? Well, apart from making super cool sneakers, they are also unique, circular and sustainable. Each pair of shoes has its own story. It is made from upcycled textiles, it has recycled cotton shoelaces, and the sole is made of recycled rubber sole scraps. But that's not it. Their sneakers are designed to be recyclable and thereby circular all the way around. But more about that and other topics in this episode. By the way, Wear has a special gift for you, Refashion Podcast listener. Use a code myconsciousliving underscore wear to get 10% off your purchase. Visit sustainablewear.com and use the promo code myconsciousliving underscore wear. M-Y-C-O-N-S-C-I-O U-S-L-I-V-I-N-G underscore W-A-I-R that is one word capital letters and claim your discount. Now on to today's episode with where. Have a great listen. I am Lily. I'm 24 years old and I come here from Denmark. Um, my mom is from China so I have a bit of a mixed background. Um, but basically, I'm just one like a very big sustainability nerd who wants to do something good for our planet uh, and kind of like have already always been interested in fashion, but kind of saw the negative impacts of the fashion industry and then found, I think, a good way to kind of combine my passion for sustainability with fashion and try to kind of like change uh, you know it for the better so we have all this waste that the fashion industry creates and then with where uh, we're trying to kind of give that uh, a new chance uh, by upcycling it into right now we're upcycling it into upcycle sneakers but we like to define ourselves as a textile upcycling startup or company so sneakers is kind of our first step in our journey towards kind of creating this waste-free fashion revolution but we definitely uh, are looking into you know like what can our next products be um, so that's also we just uh, recently won a CBS uh, startup competition which is really nice and that's also really going to help us in kind of like starting uh, and developing this new uh, product line but overall like where is a textile upcycling uh, company that is very interesting journey and the project that you took and i think this is absolutely necessary uh, at this very moment but i was just wondering since you mentioned the word fashion so yeah. what is it for you uh fashion is like every time like when i hear the word fashion i get like very conflicted 
inside my mind because I think you know like fashion is this amazing thing you know like where you can express yourself and you can express your style and you can be creative and you can kind of like show who you are with what you're wearing but at the same time fashion I think is also and kind of it has become something quite harmful and something that is having a really negative impact because it's kind of driving this consumerism and materialism um, in in our society where people just you know like where these big businesses are driving these trends where it's all about kind of like buying and buying some more and buying some more and then just throwing away so I think fashion right now has a lot of issues and in general it's a very like linear system uh, but it also has a lot of opportunities and kind of like transitioning and a lot of things already happening in terms of kind of transitioning to a more circular and what can you say like positive uh, fashion system so I think fashion is like this very complex and interesting uh, concept um, yeah very difficult to explain what I think fashion is because it is so complex right but I think in general it's it's a very good thing yeah it's a way of expressing yourself I would say and then it can be either bad or good depending on what consumers and businesses do with it totally I, I completely understand what you're saying it is in essence expression of your style it is no longer only the need of uh, getting uh, ourselves warm and comfortable yeah. it has evolved from from this and as you correctly pointed out that it has become um, a bit of a crazy system right now so how would you define uh, the linear uh, fashion system and what would you say uh, could be done um, to change that yeah i think the linear system is like uh, very simply put it is that we we buy something for it to be thrown away, right? That that the way it's designed and the way it's bought, it doesn't necessarily automatically come with a way of kind of like returning it back into the system. So we know when the people design it and when we know when we buy it, what will most likely happen is that we're going to throw it away. And right now the fashion system is very very linear actually like compared to other industries you know for example when it comes to glass and plastic we've actually come quite far in terms of like ensuring recirculation where in the fashion system there's still only you know like less than one percent of all textiles are actually being recirculated back into the fashion system so it is quite far behind when it comes to textiles because it is so complex because textiles are often you know like a mix of all these different um, fibers and materials so it is very difficult to transition to a circular system within the fashion industry but I also think um, now that you ask kind of like you know what is the linear fashion system and what is a circular and kind of what can we do to transition I think there's like the waste management hierarchy of course where we have you know reuse and upcycling and recycling and I think what's really important is that we kind of harvest you know the potential of of all of them so we don't just focus on you know like recycling um but that we focus on all of them and kind of like make sure that as many textiles that can be reused gets reused and as many that can be upcycled gets upcycled and then like going down uh, in the waste management hierarchy and where would you say um where fits in in the landscape and uh, uh how would you define the whole concept of where I think we fit in and, you know, like we're kind of low, that in between reuse and recycling or what I would say would be downcycling 
because I think right now when it comes to circular fashion, there's a lot of focus on reuse, of course, which we're doing quite well, you know, like there's secondhand shops, there is, you know, like all these different platforms where you can resell your clothing. Um, and then there's recycling, which is still very difficult, but there is a lot of focus on right now, how can we recycle uh, these textiles into new textiles or into new materials. Um, but then it's kind of like upcycling is, is a little bit left out of the discussion, uh, which is mainly, or at least my research when I, when I um, wrote my thesis about this uh, during my master's, I, I really found that, that it's been kind of left out of the conversation, which is mainly because it is difficult to make scalable. So a lot of people don't see it as, you know, as a solution that will, that's worth talking about when it comes to circular fashion. But that's kind of like where we're like, no, you know, like we, we definitely do believe that upcycling has a place in this uh, conversation. And we do believe that it's possible to make scalable. So I think that's kind of like where we fit in. We're kind of like the underdog trying to prove that this recirculation strategy called upcycling is possible and kind of proving the that it should have a place in the conversation and that it can be a viable solution for a lot of textiles. Totally. I think in this current uh, system, uh, there are so many opportunities. And uh, before we change and progress more into alternative thinkings or more innovative business solutions, we have a lot of textiles being produced today. And there are a lot of waste and there are a lot of dead stock. So we have to also, uh, as you mentioned already, find yeah. the place for those parts as well and incorporate it in the system, at least during the transition phase. And we'll see where we will end up. Uh, very true I, but it's a really good point because of course you know like circular circular fashion is not just about the waste right it's also about kind of like the input so we really have to also think about it through the entire life cycle so the designers have to think like how do they design their products so they can be recirculated so we're of course just a part of the process and we kind of come in you know after end of life and we try to take some of these textiles that were otherwise going to waste and then we try to give them a new life but while also trying to make products, you know, that can be recirculated when they reach end of life. So it's kind of like a, this whole um, thinking about the whole life cycle. Uh, but I think it's quite interesting when you say like transition period, because I kind of like to see it as, you know, like it's a tap, you know, like with just water coming out, but instead of water, it's just textile waste. And, you know, like what we really want to do is, of course, to kind of like turn off the tap so we don't have any textile waste. That's, of course, like that's where we want to be uh, as a society, um, because, you know, everything just has to go around and around and never end up as textile waste. But as you say, there is like this transition period, because unfortunately, we can't just turn the tap in a second. It will take, unfortunately, years because we have so much textile waste right now. So kind of it's it's until we at some point can, you know, like turn the faucet completely that we have to find better solutions and how we can like recirculate all these textiles. True. So could we look into where and uh, take it maybe part by part? And yeah. uh, could you uh, explain us? So what are the materials that you are using? Uh, comment a little bit about the production process and maybe even the take back system or end of life sharing platform that you do as a brand. Yeah. So the product we have right now is, is the sneakers and they're made. So the textile waste part is that we're taking right now, we're taking jeans. So jeans that can't be reused. So that's, for example, the ones that has, you know, like a hole or they have a stain or they're just too kind of 
worn out some places, you know, especially on the butt or on the knees, they, they often get, you know, like too worn out to be reused. Um, so those are the ones that we get from, uh, from Salvation Army, actually. So those are the ones, you know, they can't sell again. Uh, but still, you know, like the rest of the jeans is often totally fine. Uh, so we can use, you know, maybe the backside or we can use the whole jeans except for, you know, the butt area or something like that. Um, and then we also get workwear from Beyonce. Um, and then we also get tablecloths actually from Beyonce. Uh, so the tablecloths are, you know, that's also the ones who has a little stain and then the hotels don't want to use it anymore. Um, and the workwear is actually often unused, but it's the things that are kind of like gone out of collection. So that means that, you know, they had it in, a in an active collection, but they have to order it in so many different sizes to be able to kind of like meet the demand. But often that means they have a lot of the sizes, you know, extra, extra, extra large or extra, extra small that they don't, they, they can't get rid of it. And then it gets out of collection and that's where they would normally just send it to incineration. So that's kind of like where we come in and say, oh, but we can actually still use it. And of course, the material is still very, very good. Um, so that's kind of the, the textile waste that we're mainly using at the moment. And then apart from that, uh, a shoe unfortunately can't be made 100% from textiles. So, so the sole, for example, is made from uh, recycled rubber. So actually the, the scraps from when they make new soles, they kind of like when you mash it together, there's like some scraps that comes out on the side. So that's what they take out and then use to make the new soles. So it's 70% of that and then 30% like virgin natural rubber um, that they use to make this uh, sole material. Uh, then we use the laces that's um, recycled cotton. Uh, that was a big like, you know, like thing for us to kind of like, okay, what should we use for the laces? Um, because a lot of the sustainable options that we found were kind of like recycled plastic bottle laces or recycled polyester. But we're kind of like with our shoes, we're also really trying to kind of move away from plastic uh, materials. So that was kind of like, we wanted something natural, but at the same time, you know, um, cotton laces that's also a lot of resources going into making cotton a lot of water um, so at last we found like one place that made like recycled cotton laces and we're like yes so that's kind of what we're using so far but of course like for every single part of the shoe it's always something that we're looking like can we do it even better you know can we find something that's even more sustainable um yes oh there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of parts of this shoe there's also the insole for example which is also uh, 100% natural so it's made from uh, natural latex and then like some different for the actual um fabric it's made from for example tensile to make it more breathable and then also kenaf fibers so that's the insole then we have the sole the lining the outer yeah that's 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 basically it. And then of course there's some other things, you know, like to just combine it. There's for example, the glue where we're using water-based glue, um, but that's also something that we're working on that, you know, like we really want to make a shoe that can disassemble. Uh, so you can, you know, like right now we, we can recycle it uh, because we have made like a purely uh, textile upper and then the sole uh, is from the actual sole factory. So the sole factory can actually just recycle the whole thing because we're not using like metal parts or plastic parts. Um, so it is recyclable, but we would like it to be, you know, that you could separate it and then you can put it into different recycling streams uh, afterwards. But yeah, so there's a lot of things we're working on and like, how can we make it even more sustainable? Um, but yeah, I think so far we, 
we're doing we're doing quite good and we're quite proud of the product uh, we have but i think sustainability will never be you know that we can be satisfied with what we have we'll always be you know like pushing towards how can we make it even more sustainable you mentioned all those parts and i uh, was reflecting on all the <laughs> sneakers i have in my wardrobe and i just thought wow usually you wouldn't even think about it part by part as uh, yeah. laces and sole and inner sole and um, uh, all those small details which actually matter all the um, also accessories yeah. for example like metal rings around the shoelace and you name it you can you can go crazy I guess uh, yeah. with that um, I was actually wondering um, how easy or how difficult was it for you to step in into the industry and approach those factories and your partners and be like hey you, we would like to step in and, and, and make use out of your textiles. I think it was it was quite like, you know, it was a little bit scary to begin with, you know, just to connect with these, you know, like big companies, um, because, you know, in the beginning we weren't even, you know, I didn't I don't even know if you could define us as a startup, you know, we were just an idea, uh, you know, a person. Um, so that was, of course, really scary. Um, also because I didn't have any experience from it, like doing anything like it before. So it was very much, you know, just trying to reach out to some people to begin with and then kind of seeing how it goes. But I think we were really lucky with like people being super positive and super, you know, like even these places that has like the textile waste, they actually get a lot of people contacting them all the time. So, you know, like still the fact that they were so open and, you know, gave us a tour and kind of like we were able to test and see with their textile waste you know, I think people were just so nice. So I think it was a very positive experience, uh, you know, very explorative kind of like seeing what is out there and what can we use. Um, so it wasn't like we went in and be like, okay, we know exactly what we want. We want this. Can you give us this? It was more like, hello, we want to do this. You know, can we hear a little bit more about like you and what textile waste you have? So I think scary, but overall very, very positive uh, experience. And uh, where would you see in your progress? Where are you right now as a brand? Um, right now we are, uh, yeah, where, where are we? Like, I think we're, we're starting to become way more established, right? You know, like I think from the beginning where we were, you know, like a very, very new startup. I think now we're kind of like getting to know who we are and what we do uh, and we're starting to gather like a really awesome team that has kind of like some amazing skills that can kind of take wear to the next level and now we, we've just uh, finished our second production round which I think is also very cool because that's also a way of like showing that you know like we, we can't it's not just because we do it once and then you know that was it kind of we've showed that we can actually do a production round of 400 pairs of shoes which we think is is quite cool because that's also a, a on you know that, that we can make it scalable and no of course like right now it's not because we're like 100 scalable and everything is automized and you know we're still sitting at home cutting the textiles um so i think we're like in this in between phase where we're getting definitely more established but that we're also you know testing a lot of things and still trying and still being a bit chaotic sometimes uh, but kind of becoming more of a of a of a business uh, yeah that sounds like a like very good startup journey uh, i am familiar with uh, quite a few startups and that's usually how things start and you put a lot of heart and uh, handwork in the beginning uh, 
and uh, you try to deliver the best product that, that you can. And I think it's amazing that you managed to launch another production line. You have uh, 400 sneakers mm -hmm. and um, you also had a pre-order. I was just yeah. wondering, uh, what is the particular reason for doing the pre-order, for example? So pre-orders for us is kind of a way that we can, first of all, know kind of what shoes do people want? Because of course, like from every time there is like some decisions that we have to make, you know, like which colorways do we want to make and which sizes, how many of each size. Um, so pre-orders is kind of a way for us to already have some confirmed orders. So we can be like, okay, we can already see, you know, like that there's a lot of demand for this particular shoe. So we order more of that. Um, because of course it's always kind of like a, a guesswork you know we can use now the data from our first production round but of course we will never know exactly how much people will order of each um, so that's one of the reasons and then another reason is of course you know like if people pre-order then of course we put a lower price because they can't get the shoes right away but at the same time they can get it for you know like um, now we're selling them for 750 danish kroner where for the pre-sales it was 600 kroners so they don't get them right away but then you know like when when they then buy it we then have some cash flow if you could say it like that to actually pay for all you know like all the shoe that comes at once so it's kind of a way for us to kind of make the wheels go around um, so I won't say like pre-orders is kind of like uh, necessary for us. It's like a life and death situation, but it's a really good thing for, you know, like a startup that doesn't have, you know, like millions in the bank uh, to kind of be able, because when you order 400 pairs of shoes, that's a lot of money that you have to put out, you know, like at an instance. So kind of having some pre-orders and having some money already that you can pay for that, uh, that production round is really, really a really good thing. So that's something that we would, most likely continue with but at the same time now in for like the first time in wear history we actually have shoes you know in stock that we can start selling from so i think that's also something that will continue right that we don't do that many pre-orders that it's mostly you know when people buy a pair of shoes we hopefully have them in stock and then they can get them almost right away uh-huh i see it. i see it. i was just wondering like maybe it was in relation to on-demand uh, production to some extent or maybe you have thought through it and there are specific advantages yeah. when you would do uh, on-demand uh, sales yeah i think you know when we do our limited collection which is also coming up hopefully quite soon uh, that will be you know that would only be on demand so that will be that we do a pre-sales period you know like almost a crowdfunding where people can then buy pre-buy the pair of shoes and then we will only produce what is being bought because it's a limited collection right whereas this is more kind of like our standard classic collection so the point for that one is that we will always have some shoes in stock then of course not in a thousand colorways but you know like in the different sizes we'll have something in stock so for that it's not only on demand especially because we have so far we still have quite a long kind of production cycle so it will take some time before people put in the order, before we actually have them out on the other side. So we're hoping that now we can, you know, continue this flow of having shoes in stock so people can get them kind of like on a continuous basis. I see. And you cho chose uh, local production, meaning that the production is within Europe. Your factory is in uh, Portugal. Yeah, yeah, it is. Is there any particular reason why you chose it there? Or um, could you maybe uh, comment on local production and why is it important? Yeah. 
So for us, it was really important that we found uh, a factory in Europe, uh, both because of kind of like just in general kind of um, regulations in terms of working conditions, but then also in terms of like that we want to stay quite close to the factory. So it's somewhere where we can have you know like a close contact uh, and do uh, regular visits. Um, also because it is, you know, like it's a different way of producing shoes. So we couldn't just be like, oh, here's a drawing, produce it. You know, it's it's way more, you know, like close contact and kind of figuring out how we do this together. So that was why we wanted someone within Europe, but we actually didn't, you know, when we started, we wasn't, we weren't thinking, okay, it has to be in Portugal. So we actually contacted a lot of different factories uh, all across Europe. Um, but actually it was only two factories that, that really wanted to work with us and they were both located in, in Portugal. Um, and that's mainly of course, because we use textile waste, which is not something like, it's not a very traditional material for these shoe manufacturers. So a lot of them just say like, no, that's not possible. Like one of them even said like, you know, you, you can come back in like 10 years, then it might be possible. So wow. I think, you know, so it, in the end, it was a lot about kind of like who actually, like what were our options, you know, who could we actually work with? But I think, you know, now we've found like this amazing factory who's like, super helpful and you know really willing to go the extra mile to kind of help us in making upcycling uh, possible when it comes to shoe production what are yeah. the uh, challenges that the factory mentioned for example or that you yourself face um, uh, for designing the shoes because you mentioned that uh, you take the jeans which are not completely perfect um, and i could imagine then that you have even uh, more of a limited textile uh, yeah. to, to work with and, and create a shoe of. Um, are there yeah. any challenges that you face? Oh, yes. <laughs> There's always challenges when you try to do something new. And I think like the main challenge, as you say, you know, like the normal state is that you just have, you know, this big roll of fabric and you can order as many meters as you want to, right? And it's very standardized and very, you know, like you just get it from the factory and it's ready to go where ours is completely the opposite. It's very unstandardized. You know, we can get jeans in all sorts of, you know, different colors and we can't just use it as it is because it's not a flat piece of fabric. So we have to cut it up first and, you know, like remove the seams and make it into this flat piece of fabric. And then even then, you know, there might be a hole that they have to kind of cut around. So I think the main challenge is, you know, like making this very unstandardized input material, which is the textile waste, make that actually fit into their production process so they can work with it. That That is, a, that is the main challenge, I would say. And, and like a very practical, you know, thing is that it's just very time consuming to cut up uh, all the jeans and all the workwear. So that's something where we, you know, we're continuously trying to see if we can find better, better kind of textile waste streams. So for example, for the first production round, we used workwear also as the lining, where now we're working, we're using tablecloths, which is way more effective because before we had to cut up the workwear to make it into the lining, where now it's just, you know, these huge tablecloths that they can just like, duk, 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 duk cut out the patterns from. So it's always, you know, like continuing to improve it and make it even more uh, scalable and effective. And in that regards, the garment itself, uh, the sneakers, yeah. they become very unique. So you would, for example, might want to order uh, different sizes, but they may not come in the same color. Is that um, something a part of, of, of how it is or? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, of course, it's like it, it depends on like what because if the if it's the genes, then yes, then there will be color differences. Whereas if it's the workwear, then it would be the same almost, right? But for example, like our white and blue uh, phoenixes, they have you know like the white will be the same because that's made from workwear mostly. Uh, unless it's jeans, then it would be a little bit different. But then the the blue detail on the side, you know, we even see some of them where it's like on the same shoe and the same detail. It goes from you know like this light blue to this even lighter blue because the sun or you know from just you know you wearing them you could see that your jeans is a little bit lighter on the knees for example so i think that's you know like yeah if you order the same size you might get you look at them and they might actually look a little bit different which we think is really cool but that's of course also something that we have to kind of work with you know that we make that really clear so people are not like what is this you know, a production mistake, but that is actually something that they understand and value the fact that each shoe is not exactly the same. Although we try to kind of standardize it so it's so it won't be, you know, like you order this and then you get something that's, you know, yellow, but you actually get something that's almost the same, but, you know, it has these small twists and tweaks that makes them a little bit different. Totally. I, I get what you're uh, saying because I have reviewed some of your products and uh, with just a quick look, you couldn't see the differences. You should really uh, look into the, the discovering those uh, color shades or whatever. So everyone can be just calm whenever you get a pair. The pair <laughs> looks totally fine. It's, 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 it's a solid uh, sneaker pair. Uh, it can be yeah. just small tweaks, which would even make uh, the shoes more unique. Um, Another thing uh, you already mentioned that it was important for you to look at the labor conditions um, for the uh, factory uh, workers. Could you maybe tell a bit more on, on that aspect? Yeah, like, of course, for, for us, it's kind of, you know, like social sustainability and environmental sustainability, like really goes hand in hand, like it would make no sense to make a product that's like super environmentally sustainable, and then just be exploiting, you know, like workers like that's never, never, ever what we want to do. So for us, it's really important to kind of like, make sure that, you know, the people who are making the shoes are, you know, being treated fairly. And just like, how would we like to be treated if we were working at at a factory right i think it's just like basic you know like compassion for other people you know like that we would never end up being in a situation where we kind of like exploit uh, workers so that's also why we want this really close relationship and when we started working with them we did this audit you know like where we kind of like both of course walk around ourselves but also you know like get them to answer questions in terms of you know like what is their what is their wage what is what are they paying the workers what is there, you know, like, how old do you have to be in order to work in the factory? Like, do they have any child labor? And they definitely don't, you know, when you walk around, you can also see, I don't, I think like the, the average age is like maybe 40, uh, like most of the women they have worked there, you know, for, for 20 or 30 years, like they've been working there almost their entire life. It's like really, uh, really cool, uh, really nice people. And I think also in terms of like kind of ethical uh, production I think it's really important you know like asking those questions because one thing is what you see but it's also you know kind of like hearing more about you know like what if they get sick what then happens you know like 
do they get mater paid maternity leave and all these different things. So it's been for us, of course, it's been very helpful to have kind of um, our advisor, uh, Sujan, on board because he has a background in CSR and he's used to doing all these like factory checks and making sure, like, how do you make sure that they're being treated uh, fairly? So it's been really, really useful to have him on board and kind of help us with that whole process. Um, yeah, because that's something that's like extremely, extremely important to us and kind of ensuring. I think that's a very important aspect and it should never be overlooked. And I think also maybe coming from uh, Denmark, uh, where we know how high the standards could be, um, yeah. then it raises even more questions when you go to the factory in another country and you could reflect and say, okay, um, yeah. it, does this live up to our standard? How, would we like our products to be produced that way? And yeah, absolutely. Having a sustainability and CSR expert, I think it's also a huge uh, advantage into making a very um, detailed examination and, and not yeah. overlook all the things. Yeah, I think I think we've been really like we're so on board because also you know like one thing is because as a person like you would never you know like want to work with any factory that doesn't like that doesn't treat their workers properly but then it's just like a whole other story and like how do we ensure that right because one thing is to be like i would never want to work with a factory that does that but but how do you actually when you have found your factory make sure that they don't do that when you're somewhere else right i think that's like very complicated and very complex um, yeah so he's definitely been a huge help in kind of like us feeling safe with what we do and also being able to kind of defend it to other people uh, because i had a very clear feeling that when i was at the factory that this is really nice uh, and you know people are happy to be working there but one thing is what i see and what i feel right another thing is kind of like how do we how do we kind of ensure that and how do we how do we communicate that um, to others? That's yeah. so true. That's so true. I'm actually thinking more about the um, the waste aspect, as as you already touched upon. Uh, yeah. So in your production as well, when once you have to cut out um, fabrics to be further processed into the sneakers, uh, yeah. you also deal with some of the production waste yourself, right? Uh, some seals and some buttons and zippers what yeah. happened there and um, in a more global context uh, my question would be is zero waste overall attainable um, can that actually happen yeah I think so right now what happens with you know like the zippers and the things that we cut off is that they are you know we're saving them because we have control over it ourselves because we're cutting uh, so far we're cutting it ourselves and then it will be something that we will most likely use in our other product lines you know like that we will figure out a way how to use it but of course it's not the most you know like right now it's kind of like we will find a solution and we will figure out what to use this for um, and we will uh, but of course, you know, the more shoes we produce, we will have this issue of having like the top of the jeans and what, what can we use that for? Um, so I hope that we do find a solution on how we can use it in an upcycle product. But if we don't, if that's not possible, then we will, of course, uh, recycle them uh, instead. But I think, you know, like zero waste design in relation to upcycling can be difficult because you're not working with, you know, this big piece, flat of uh, flat piece of fabric. You're working with, you know, maybe a 
a pair of jeans. And it's not because the jeans are designed in a way that it has the buttons and it has the zippers and it has the pockets that unfortunately aren't, you know, disassemblable. Like you can't just take them off. That means that when you upcycle, you have a problem of kind of like the top of the jeans and what do we do with that? So I think that's definitely also one of our challenges, you know, like figuring out what is the best way to deal with this and to make it as sustainable as possible. Yeah. I hear you. I think you're on the on the good path and you have a lot of those concerns in your mind. And I'm glad to hear that you are taking them into consideration. Of course, you are um, taking everything step by step, which I think as a fresh startup still, uh, that's a lot to handle at this very moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm glad I'm to hear that you're thinking well. forward. Yeah, yeah, we're doing everything we can to kind of like, you know, think about how can we make it even more uh, sustainable because there are a lot of you know like things when it comes to upcycling that you know like can kind of like make it not as sustainable so that's really like what we're thinking about like how can we upcycle but also ensure that we have a product that is like super super sustainable uh, mm -hmm. so those like that sometimes there can be like a mismatch so that's kind of like where we have to choose the right textile waste streams and we have to use them in products that make sense uh, to use them for uh, so it's like definitely not you know like an easy design process it's not just like oh yeah you know we designed something and then we just order some textiles ours is kind of like the other way around we have some textile waste and then we see okay what can we use this for and then we just have to design a product that kind of can use as much of this textile as possible so we limit the waste you know as much as possible yeah. but yeah you just asked like is it attainable you know zero waste i think it depends on how you define zero waste like if if zero waste is that you know like there are no cutoffs then i think that it's very difficult when it comes to upcycling upcycling but i do think that if you accept cutoffs but then use those cutoffs you, you recirculate them as it being either another upcycle product or as it being that we recycle them, then I do think it's possible. I, I can relate to that. And I think um, um, unless we started growing the pattern in, in particular shape with some kind of material, yeah. um, and even if we would produce everything in rectangulars and, 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 and triangles, um, yeah. That is super hard. So I think a, a go-to solution as, a, as of this very moment is to actually choose the materials and, how, and make ma the materials in the first place so that the fibers could be recycled and put together back again and used again and again, uh, because it's inevitable that we will have those uh, cutoffs in the very uh, beginning. Um, and still talking about the global landscape, who would you say are the most um, responsible for bringing the change? Who are the ones who should support the circular movement within textiles and um, whose uh, interest should that be? Yeah, I'm going to give you a really annoying answer because I'm going to say everyone. Because I don't think that, you know, like it's the responsibility of, you know, like a specific you know, like group of people or companies or, you know, leaders, political leaders, I think, you know, like for this circular transition to happen, it's so important that we get, you know, everyone on board, you know, we get the startups, but we also get the big businesses and we also get political action behind it because or else it's just not going to create kind of the, the change that's necessary. Um, 
yeah yeah i really think that you know like for example here like politically in in denmark you know we had our prime minister or do you say prime minister states minister we have her kind of like saying that you know like we we believe that you know like the necessary change will come from new technologies and the startups we have some really good startups here in denmark doing amazing things and that's that's so true and like you know as a startup ourselves like we are very willing to take on you know a lot of responsibility and you know like changing the fashion industry and we're going to do everything we can but it's just so important for example in terms of political action you know if they can put down you know like extended producer responsibilities if they can put on a tax for you know ensuring that your waste gets recirculated that's just going to make life so much easier for the companies actually trying to recirculate the textile waste um yeah so i think everyone <laughs> I think it was worth mentioning particular actors as well in the statement of everyone uh, so that uh, we could better understand what do you mean by that. But yeah. as a textile uh, startup, you yeah. also give back something to the community. And I am aware that you uh, make some upcycling workshops, uh, at least here in Copenhagen. What is, yeah. your, re uh, what is your idea behind that? And um, what are some of the things that you are trying to achieve actually it's quite funny because it's like for us like the upcycling part is not a way for us to kind of give give back to the people for us it's actually it started as a as a as a business model because in the beginning it was that we wanted to do it two ways because we said okay how can we make textile upcycling scalable And then one of them was that we're going to fit it into existing production methods and then the other one is that we're gonna because textile cycling is very labor intensive we thought why don't we just make people do those labor intensive steps themselves and then actually also be able to make their own product and kind of get this very unique product so that was kind of like it was actually just a way of making another business model where we could make textile upcycling scalable um but i think what we found so far is that it gives so much more value than you know like that people can make their own product like it 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 gives this whole kind of awareness perspective that we give people the opportunity to actually come face to face with textile waste and seeing like oh my god you know why would these ever be thrown away you know like these are perfectly fine jeans they just have a small hole here and also give them the tools to do something about it you know take up the fight against fast fashion because when they get the tools you know when they become able to actually sew something and when they become able to transform textile waste into like something upcycled then i think they just have like it's just such an empowering you know movement that i think that we're kind of we're not creating it because it's happening everywhere but we're at least like contributing to it and showing people kind of like what is possible um, and teaching them how they can do it um so i think it's it, it's gone from this being like oh this is a way that we can also make off-cycle products to being this you know like power movement that is just so amazing so i think The things that we want to get out of it is that we want to inspire people we want to bring awareness and then we want to kind of like teach them how they can yeah take up the fight against fast fashion because i think one thing is that we make upcycle products but we also need to work with the consumers and we also need to work with the businesses right so that's why with the workshops that's where we can kind of come in direct contact with the consumers and then you know we also But that's another story. But we also have a network where we actually go together with other textile 
recirculation startups and companies so we can also start to affect the businesses that actually create the textile waste. And talking about the collaboration part, um, are there any particular other companies or brands that you yourself are looking up to? Uh, yes, yes. There's a lot of brands that, that we're looking up to and where, you know, the big sustainability business, you know, like Patagonia, of course, you know, there's a lot of really cool companies that have really managed to kind of like break that barrier of, you know, like being a sustainable fashion company, but actually being like a really attractive company that people want to buy. Also, even though, you know, they might not even be in sustainability, but they want to buy it because it's cool. I think that's, you know, like that's definitely something that we aspire. Of course, for us, it will always be, you know, be the key reason and the key driver and the critical part of where. But if we can become one of those companies where we can also take all the people who don't care about sustainability, that they also want to buy it, then that's where we can make like a really big change, right? So that's kind of, I think that's very inspiring. And I think those companies are definitely someone that we're looking up to. Um, but then I think also, you know, like the small businesses and some of the companies that we've come to know ourselves are super inspiring, you know, like that, you know, you also had an interview with, with um, Gabrielle, from um, from Bagaboo and I think she's also like hugely inspiring you know she's working so hard and has been working so hard for a lot of years you know um, to do something you know like with these uh, pieces of textile waste so I think you know there's these big companies but there's also these people uh, that you get to know by doing this that are really inspiring like their hard work is uh, it's amazing to see that and kind of like their passion and why they're doing it. I think that's really cool. Totally. What would you say would be the success factors for where so far? I think the key driver is, of course, people like, you know, like the people on the team. So, yeah, I think we've been, you know, like so, so lucky to have some amazing people uh, contributing and being a part of where, which I think is absolutely critical if we want to achieve anything like we we need a lot of different skills and a lot of people to actually you know make wear you know a big player on the sustainable fashion scene so i think people is is definitely like i would say critical uh, of course competitions and funds and grants like money is definitely also necessary um and then yeah like customers is of course also like a, a critical part you know if we want to achieve what we want to achieve if we want to make a change we need people to buy the products so we can you know give the textiles a second chance so i think you know like there's a lot of key drivers and there's a lot of things that needs to come together perfectly in order to make where uh, a success um but i think as long as the team is there and as long as you know like there's an interest and there's a demand for our products then i'm sure that we will we will manage to kind of wear, make wear a success. Absolutely. And I could uh, just comment that uh, your success and impact has been noticed so far, uh, as you mentioned that you just received the Copenhagen School of Entrepreneurship Award. Also recently you received um, SDG Tech Awards uh, Denmark um, in fashion and commerce category. Uh, so huge congrats on those two awards that I am aware so far. <laughs> Thank you. And I was wondering if you have achieved any other awards so far and what does that mean to your business and what does it mean going forward? 
Um, other awards we won, uh, we won actually in the last year, we won uh, something called the Circular Textile Challenge, which was also very, very cool because that was actually, you know, like um, a lot of different actors within the field uh, amongst those, the Copenhagen municipality, kind of like saying, okay, we have this issue, we have a lot of textile waste, uh, please find your solution. So a lot of really cool companies working with textile recirculation kind of applied. And that was quite early in the lifetime of wear. So kind of winning that uh, or being amongst uh, one of two winners, I think was hugely important and kind of like validating that, you know, people, experts in textile recirculation think that our idea is good and is valuable, I think was really important for us. Um, so that's, you know, like that's that's one of the companies. We also won something called SPIA which is also very cool. So that's for, you know, like uh, growing ideas. So they kind of, you know, you do a pitch without any, you know, slides or anything. So the people who are present at the event, they kind of vote. So I think that was also really cool, right? Because it's like, you know, it wasn't a pitch about, you know, like business potential and things like that. It was more about, you know, bringing the passion and then people kind of voting for us because, you know, they could see that they, that it made sense to them and it resonated with them. So that was also uh, really cool. So I think in general, you know, like each competition kind of like brings something different and is valuable in its own. Uh, you know, like I think the CBS startup competition was really cool because like that was incredible to, to be one of the winners of that because that kind of shows that, you know, they see the business potential, which is something that, you know, that upcycling is known for not being recognized as, right? You know, like something that has business potential. So the fact that like really competent people from CBS are kind of saying that, you know, they think it's a good idea also based on kind of like the, the scalability and, the, you know, like the way that we can make, you know, a revenue uh, in the future, I think is hugely like uh, very motivating uh, you know in its own way so it's always you know like these different competitions are definitely very motivating for us as a team because of different things i'm very happy to hear that uh you have quite an extensive um, award portfolio which you <laughs> going and it is a public recognition of the work and impact that you are do, doing and that your customers need to find you. Uh, they need yeah. to hear about you and um, they need to hear your story and how do you make an impact so that they could also tag along and, and contribute in that way. Yeah. So now I would like to ask you um, five questions. Um, that's uh, one of the uh, things I do in each of the conversation. Yeah. And uh, I will ask you a question one by one, and you will just have to uh, fill in uh, the, the last bit. Yeah. All right, let's start then. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> to me, sustainability is... That's a tough one. It's complex. <laughs> I would say like sustainability for me is when we're doing something that's actually good and not just less bad you know we're doing something that's regenerative we're doing something where we are for example for us you know we're turning something that was supposed to become wasted into something of value you know sustainability itself you know things that can sustain uh, the planet and is not doing any damage uh, to kind of our whole system in its essence it's about you know like how do we do something that's good 
and I think as a society, we're doing so many things that are bad. You know, every every single day we have a negative impact. So how can we move to a system where what we do is actually something that's positive for the planet and the people? I support your way of looking into sustainability as a concept. And I also agree that it is very complex. Um, in essence, yes, we should do more good than just trying to be less bad. Yeah. But let's move on to the next question. And uh, this uh, leads us to um, one thing that I would like to see more of in the world is <laughs> then I could just say the same, right? You know, some good solutions. No, I think what I would like to see more of is kind of like connecting, connecting the dots. Because I think out there there are so many people, and there are so many initiatives, and there are so many amazing things happening, and so much passion. But I think sometimes, you know, like people don't know exactly what to do because sustainability is so complex. So I think what we need is a lot of, you know, like. Um, connecting the dots uh, so people can do what they actually want to do and they can have the positive impact that they actually want to have. And I think that there's a lot of good companies out there working on that, but I think we need much more of that and we need people to come together and create solutions together. So it's not just a lot of individual people doing a little bit here and there, but a lot of people coming together and actually making a, a big impact. Totally, totally. I'm a huge supporter on that too. Um, network in circular fashion landscape is one of the key areas as you mentioned it's they have to work together people have to uh, come into a discussion and uh, and see how they can each contribute and, and help exactly all right next one for a complete beginner in the sustainability area i would suggest to start off with learning Learning. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the first step is to become informed about what is happening because, again, you know, sustainability is so complex and there are so much to kind of like understand. And, you know, of course, I think I would say learning and then I would also just say, you know, like just start, you know, like you don't have to be perfect. You can just start with something, you know, like choose something that you want to improve. It could be like your, your waste. It could be you know, your, your fashion consumption, it could be, you know, anything, but as long as you get started. Um, so, so don't get scared about the information part, but of course, you know, getting informed is also like a critical part of actually being able to do something that, uh, that makes a positive difference. So those two combined. <laughs> awesome. That's very strong, very strong uh, advice. Um, next one, every sustainable business Oh, there's so many things I want to say here. I would say like should never like lose, like should should focus on, you know, like retaining their fire, you know, like their why and their passion. Because I think, you know, when you are a sustainable business and you're doing this because of a problem, right? You're, you're doing something because you want to do something better. You want to do, you know, you want to solve this environmental or social problem. I think it's just, so important because things very quickly become very, you know, like business, business, business. Um, and I think for me personally as well, it's it's like every day, it's so important to kind of like keep reminding myself, you know, like, why am I doing this? Because that's what, you know, like keeps me and I think keeps, hopefully keeps, you know, like people who really want to change 
it keeps them going because it's it's hard and it's it's tough and it's a lot of work but I think that you know like if we keep kind of like reminding ourselves of why we're doing it and and the difference we can make then I think yeah I think that's that's really important and I think you can very quickly lose it if you don't kind of like actually set time aside to kind of keep that fire uh, burning I can only agree. <laughs> I can only agree. <laughs> I guess also for you, right? You know, yours is also, you know, like a sustainable business that's trying to do something good. And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, like it's it's hard. And sometimes it's like, you know, what I am doing, is it making a difference, right? So I think, you know, it's just so important to be able to kind of continue also when it's hard. It's just, you know, like to keep reminding yourself of you know, like the reason and the impact it can have. Very well said. I, I, I am, I'm on the same page. <laughs> um, yeah. So then the last one, um, a bit uh, more positive one. Uh, in two to three years, I see where... I see where as a you know, key, key player in kind of like making upcycling scalable. And I would say not just upcycling scalable, but ensuring, you know, like recirculation of a lot a lot a lot of textiles so that's of course one of the one like a major part of what we will become aware you know a key player in kind of the sustainable fashion scene but also i would say in the normal fashion scene that you know people who want to buy you know a pair of sneakers that they find wear and they're like oh that's a pair of cool sneakers and oh my god they're also super sustainable but then on the other hand i think what's what i really would like to see where as is kind of like being also this um, what can you say also affecting you know the other way so we're not just looking you know downstream but that we're also looking upstream and we can actually affect some of those key players and we can affect the way that they make textiles so that they become easier to recirculate when they reach end of life um, and kind of like being a big part and kind of and keep the ball rolling with you know networks that ensure that we can recirculate textile waste at a high you know like quality level uh, yeah so hopefully a big player overall in the kind of circle of fashion agenda both in terms of what we're doing but also in terms of like the conversations we're creating uh, and kind of the impact we're making i would just say keep it up keep it up you have the fire in you you have all the um means and the people uh, supporting it so just keep on going and, and you will get to the place where you want to be <laughs> we will we'll do our best and same to you <laughs> thank you um so now uh, for the end of our conversation what would you say are the three key takeaways you would like everyone to take from our conversation today first takeaway is that you know like upcycling is really important if we want to you know make a circular transition of the fashion industry and it's something that we need to figure out how we can make it a possible solution for all the mountains of you know the imperfect textiles you know the ones that cannot be reused because there is so much textile waste that can't be reused so how can we ensure that that gets upcycled um then i think second one is in order to get started, you know, like if you're a beginner and kind of like this whole sustainability scene, then I think it's just like a key takeaway 
know just get started you know you need to you need to be informed about what you do so of course you know read a lot of articles read a lot of books there's so much material out there but definitely also just get started on doing something i think you know having the sustainability purpose in your life is like amazing you know it's it's something that can really get you out of bed bed every single morning and feel like you're actually accomplishing and doing something important uh, with your life so definitely just get started on that journey if you're not already on it uh, which I guess most of your listeners already are um, and then I think you know like if you are already started on the on this journey on like sustainability and whatever scene it is then I think an important key takeaway is also you know like think about how you can connect the dots I can't think about how you can, you know, start something where you can connect the dots or on how you can become a part of something bigger. So you can kind of like, what can you say, like multiply and even, you know, like really accentuate your impact and kind of make it really big because we need that a lot. <laughs> we definitely need that. And I think these were amazing key takeaways that everyone should should take from the talk. And uh, of course, um, if there were any particular aspects of our talk that we touched upon and someone found interesting please uh, um, read more about them educate yourself dig deeper start talking about uh, the learnings and findings spread the awareness and uh, we don't need everyone doing everything 100% perfectly sustainable it's just one thing that you can implement in your life something that feels most natural to your life be it shopping less frequently or, or choosing wear sneakers next time you need uh, a pair of sneakers um, <laughs> and yeah, spreading the awareness, uh, talking about it with your friends and the network and uh, just starting from yourself. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think that's a powerful uh, key takeaway. I hope our talk with Lily was interesting and inspiring for you. If you learn something new from this episode, Go ahead and share that with your friends on social media, tag at myconscious underscore living and use hashtag refashionpodcast. It's time for you to check wear sneakers yourself and go to their website sustainablewear.com to browse through their catalog. Remember to use promo code that I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast to claim your 10% discount. If you're curious of what's coming up next, Subscribe to my podcast here to never miss a new episode. If you haven't rated and reviewed my podcast on iTunes yet, please do so. I would be super, super grateful for that. Also, by doing that, you'll help this podcast reach even more listeners to whom this podcast would be super relevant and interesting. If you would like to share your ideas of what could come next in the podcast, for example, a topic of your interest or a guest that you think would be relevant, I am very open for that. So go ahead to my Instagram channel at myconscious underscore living and drop me a direct message or an email there with your suggestions. I hope to hear from you soon and thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. Take care.